Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Top Down Podcast. I am joined once again by my good buddy, Kung Fu Connor. And real quick, before we get into everything, as always, if you'd prefer to listen to this instead of watch it, there is an anchor link down below. If you want to talk to us, there is a Discord link down below. Today, we are doing our top five favorite protagonists. Similar to the top ten favorite villains, this is completely subjective. Top five. Shit. (laughs) This is the... This is the, (laughs) both of our lists are subjective. They are both specifically coming from our perspective. The games we've played very similarly to the top five villains. I have not played every video game under the sun. I haven't even played a lot of the games that I probably should have, should play as a, as a gamer. And so um, my list is going to be very different from Connor's. It's probably going to be very weird. The top five villains one was very weird. So, you know, you probably know what to expect. I am going to throw it over to Connor just to get us started with his number five. Yeah, and before I get into it, I will say that this one was a lot harder to do than the villains because every story game kind of has to have a protagonist because that's who you play as. Or as in some games, you don't necessarily have to have a villain. You know, you can just have someone going through and it's like a zombie outbreak. There's not necessarily a villain, but you're just trying to survive in a zombie outbreak. And the story unfolds that way. So there are more people to consider in the protagonist section when defining where they rank and everywhere. But I'm just going to go ahead and get into it. Uh, real Mind- quick before you do, you made a Never very mind, good I point. Go ahead I- and get into it. <laughs> Sorry, you made a good point and I don't want to forget... As you were saying how it became harder for you because of how many more options, this became harder for me because for the villains one, as we mentioned, a lot goes into story, a lot goes into depth, a lot goes into like the, the development and whatnot. And I felt like a lot of the characters for the games that I had played not necessarily were underdeveloped, but there just wasn't a lot. Like, they were just kind of put in a story that was evolving around them, as opposed to them being part of it. And that'll make sense as we go through. But I I found it harder, almost because a lot of the protagonists were bland, and I had to try and pick ones that had some oomph. But yeah, sorry. Now back over to you, Connor. (laughs) You're playing the wrong games, apparently, my friend. Anyways, (laughs) number five is Ezio Auditore. I think it's how you say Auditore, something like that. Anyways. The man, the myth, the legend, the assassin, Ezio. And the reason he is number five and not honorable mentions for me is that you saw him from his birth to his death. You did not just watch it. You lived his life. And that is something you don't really ever see, rarely at all, in video games. So the fact that you got to see him being born and then you saw him join the assassins, go through his life, and then at the very end, meet Altair and then die somewhat peacefully, I think, if I remember correctly, was very interesting in the fact that, you know, you saw his whole life. With that being said, the Assassin's Creed peaked with Ezio. Two Brotherhood and Revelations were... Arguably the best Assassin's Creed games ever made. And I think Ezio is probably one of the main reasons for that, is that his story was amazing. He was just a good person in general. He was just an amazing protagonist to play as. And I don't think there was that much wrong with him. And the only reason I said that he's not an honorable mention was because of his life. But... There are a lot of other good protagonists that could have been number five, but the sole fact that you saw his entire life and you played through his entire life is why he stands out and made the list, in my opinion. Okay, interesting. I did expect one of the assassins from that franchise to be on here, but I wasn't 100% sure who it would be. I feel like uh, Ezio is definitely the one that the... Seems to be like the majority pick. However, I have seen like fan bases for the other one. So I just, I didn't know for sure, but cool. Cool to have that one on there. Um, 
played the Assassin's Creed game, but they were when I was really young, so I don't feel proper comment. <laughs> I don't, I don't really want to comment and put myself in a bigger hole than I'm already going to be in. But good, good pick. So my number five is Commander Shepard from Mass Effect. And the reason why he's my number five is, as I mentioned, there are a lot of the games that I played had characters that probably were not as developed as I would have want them to be, or as developed as maybe other characters in the game would be. But Commander Shepard is literally you. You create him. You decide what he does. You decide essentially how the story goes, how his story goes, because he is you. And I had that in and of itself is, I guess, essentially putting yourself on this list. But I, at least of the games that I've played where you get to like create your own character and go about doing stuff, I feel like Mass Effect does that the best. And it gave me true immersion into a game series because I was able to truly feel like I was the one picking everything. And of course, Commander Shepard does other stuff throughout the story that's like awesome. I'm not going to like say stuff because spoilers, but like the main reason why I put him here is, of course, because he's a cool character, but he's five and not higher because technically it is you. So like he's not the one doing it. You don't get to fall in love with him as a character in that sense because you're the one making the choices and you're the one who made him look the way he did and whatnot. But yeah, uh, Commander Shepard is my number five. Okay, I've never played the Mass Effect uh, series, but I think I have seen that he has always been a solid choice for top protagonists in articles and other such lists. I guess I'll go ahead and get into my number four. And this is up until... Like, I knew Etsy was five, but after that, it was kind of hard for me to go four through two. And I, I ended up putting... Geralt of Rivia from the Witcher series as my number four. The reason he is such a great character or a quote unquote hero is because he's not really a hero. He doesn't really have this like sense of righteousness or strive to be perfect or to, you know, do good in the world. Now, don't get me wrong. He is a inherently good person, I think. But he is surrounded in a world of assholes and people who are just <laughs> trying to either get by or are trying to make other people's lives worse. And that kind of comes with the job that he has as a Witcher or a monster hunter for people who haven't played the Witcher series. And I think that is his greatest aspect of his character is that he is just a person in a world and he has a job. And he does it. And I think that's what makes people really connect with him is that he goes and he does what he needs to do. And he doesn't he doesn't indulge in these things that, you know, necessarily everyone would. Like he doesn't try and go and save the whole world. He just goes and, you know, in The Witcher 3, he doesn't really care that much about the wild hunch. I feel as much. Until. Siri is in danger from them. If the Wild Hunt had not taken or was going after Siri, I don't think he would have cared that they existed. But since they were going after Siri, he's like, okay, you've done messed up. Don't hurt her. I'm coming for you. And if you try to kill her, I will kill you. And that does end up happening. I think that's what makes Geralt so great as a character is that he's an actual person that just lives in a world where everything happens like The Witcher 3. Okay. I, I assumed, once again, that this character would make an appearance on the list. I wasn't sure where we ranked, though, but I know how much you love this game, so I just assumed that that character would make an appearance. I have never played it. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, one last thing is that at the very end of The Witcher 3, the Wine and Blood DLC, he breaks the fourth wall and kind of like smirks at you. So I was like, hit a soft spot, too. So that's why, you know, a little extra added bonus. <laughs> the uh the only thing that i know about the character is from the few short scenes i've seen of the henry cavill tv show and that's uh, so because of that i once again feel like i i can't necessarily comment on this although based on the game stature and how uh how heralded he is as a character i i can only i can only agree with you that this is a great pick for your number four i can move into my number my number four so similar to one of the 
characters that I picked for my top five villains. As a lot of the listeners know by now, I was a Nintendo kid, and I would be doing both the company and my childhood a disservice if I did not pick at least one character from said universe. Now, as far as villains go in Nintendo, there's not necessarily a lot that are on the same echelon. Of course, every character has their own, but in general, it's like Bowser, then probably Ganon underneath, and then... You can kind of have a toss-up for, like, King Dedede, King K. Rule, whatnot. However, for the protagonists, every person you ask is going to have a different favorite. Every person that you ask, maybe even if they might change moods, they're going to throw another one in the ring. So I had to try and sit down and put my cap on and think, okay, I'm trying to judge this based off of story, depth, you know, overall environment, character development, whatnot. So for my number four, I had to pick Link from the Legend of Zelda franchise. Now, I have played every single Legend of Zelda game except for Breath of the Wild and Hyrule Warriors, which are the two newest ones for the Switch. Um, So if I don't say something about those games, I apologize, but I've only played the ones previous. And I picked Link because his stories are probably the closest thing you're going to get to in a Nintendo game to get close enough to something on the level of like a Witcher or like a God of War or like a story game that you would play on an Xbox or a PlayStation. In general, that's not what Nintendo does, but Legend of Zelda is the closest thing. That's why Breath of the Wild was heralded so much because it was like this open world, really, really, really close equivalent to like the other stuff that you would play, but on a Nintendo console. And we've talked about on the podcast before that it's more like the family console and you just kind of have fun and goof around and the characters are goofy and whatnot. But Link has a a very deep background. When you play all the games, you go through so much with the character. He just Hyrule itself is almost like a, a character that plays opposite to link and through link you get the experience uh or you get the ability to experience this 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 culture and i'm I'm drawing a blank on words but the the development side that i was looking for in a nintendo character is there most with links excuse me with link And so I had to put Link here at number four, once again, not any higher, but I needed to put a Nintendo character, and Link felt like the most apropos based off the criteria that I was going for. Yeah. If you've played a game, you pretty much know what I'm talking about, and I'm sorry that I couldn't articulate as great as I have with the other characters. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I feel like Nintendo has a Perez. I keep trying to say that word, but it never comes out the first time. (laughs) Has a... A, an ever-expanding base of protagonists that always seem to be pretty good. So I think any Nintendo character is well-deserved on a top-five list with someone out there, at least. Uh, my number three spot, again, was a very hard decision, but I ended up settling on John Marston from the Red Dead Redemption series. Dang, that's who I thought was going to be your number one, not going to lie. <laughs> yes, I thought I, Red Dead would be number one. <laughs> I love the Red Dead series, and I love John Marston. However, I think the fact that Red Dead Redemption 1 came out at a time when I was younger kind of downplays his significance on my list. Obviously, I could have gone back and played it, but I haven't in many years I think that's why he's probably as low as he is. However, I the the top two for me are also very good. Anyways, John Marston is such a great character because I feel like the Red Dead Redemption one was the first good, like outlaw Wild West cowboy game. I think Rockstar did an amazing job, and they probably started. I wouldn't say like a revolution of games like that, but I think that they were one of the first people to like really dive into this genre and be like, okay, let's make a game. Let's make a story. And they did an amazing job of it. Don Marston is kind of more of a Robin hood type person where he stole from the rich and gave to the poor, even though the poor that he really gave to was his own gang. But he, you know, the gang did save people like uh, Sadie Adler when her husband was killed by the O'Driscoll's. John Marston was saved 
He was even taught by Hosea in Dutch how to read. The same thing happened with Arthur. So they really brought in people that were poor and just in a bad position. And then they stole from the rich, but gave to their gang. So that's how it's kind of a Robin Hood-esque type thing. In the first game, he becomes reformed in his ways. And the second game as well, near the very end. Because he just wants to be an honest person. He wants to be a family man. He wants to be there for Abigail and Jack. And he just wants to be a good person. But then he has also got this background of being a gunslinger and just a badass in the Wild West. So those two aspects of being someone who is just a complete lethal dominance in the Wild West and just being someone who wants to be a family man and that intersection between the two, I think is what makes John Marston such a great character is having the the back and forth like, well, I want to go and finish my business, but I don't want to go and die and then have my family by themselves and then may not be able to you know, fend for themselves for a little bit or cause some destruction in their lives. But overall, John Marston is an amazing character, and I think he, it is well-deserved at number three for on my list. That's definitely... So I won't spoil who I'm thinking of, just so that way if it is right, you know, it, I don't spoil it for you. There were three people that I had in my brain potentially for number one. And you've already said two of them, which means that there's only one other person that I think could be number one. So I'm hoping that I'm still kind of right. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Great pick. People know I haven't played the Red Dead games except for online. And I know I'm uncultured swine. So once again, can't comment. (laughs) There's a theme to these podcasts. Um, But yes, as you mentioned earlier, for some other picks that he always appears on lists. He is a wonderfully made character. The story's awesome. So very, very solid pick there, Connor. My number three is probably the weirdest one on the list. And that is because this is a character that I knew was going to be in my top three from the very beginning. Um, it's a character that is very close to my heart, very nostalgia driven. And that is Bill from Left for Dead. Now, as people who have listened to this podcast no left for dead is one of my favorite games that i've ever played in my life and when i was thinking through it i was like hmm well uh in left for dead one i was a bill main and in left for dead two i was a coach main which one am i gonna pick and then i was like that's not even a question of course it's bill this man (laughs) fought in nam fought in korea then fought freaking zombies he's 60 year old with like two bum knees this dude is like the definition of I'm just a gruff old guy that's going to beat the crap out of you. But then you realize that he also has a soft spot because in the games, he plays as almost this father figure to the other characters. And even though he is the gruff, like that era of, of gentlemen, he has a soft side and the games show that you, you, you don't know much about him going in. But when you play the games, you truly get to see who he is as a person as they play things out through the cutscenes and whatnot. That's honestly what makes him such a great character that he is. I'm going to keep saying gruff and tumble, <laughs> but uh, he is that kind of person and then has a soft side. And this is the one time I will use spoilers because it really helps drive the point home at the end of the first Left for Dead game. He literally sacrifices himself so that the other three can live. They're trying to escape. You play out the the final battle, whatever. And then Bill, whoever's playing Bill, has to go to, um, to make sure the bridge works. And then when he does that, the other three get to survive. There's this really sad cutscene. And you see him essentially get eaten by all these zombies you've been fighting for the whole game. But he sacrifices himself so that the other three can live and live happily ever after and whatnot. And like, that's the kind of person that Bill is. And in an added bonus, he is a playable character in Dead by Daylight. They just recently cut a deal, I'm guessing with Valve or Turtle Rock, to be able to create more canon of his story. In Dead by Daylight, there are these things called tomes, and you do challenges through the tomes, and you unlock what are called memories of the different characters. This is the first time we've gotten a licensed character in the tome. So the more challenges you play, the more memories and canon you get to learn about Bill. And it looks like it's going to take place during his time in the war when he was younger and we get to see more about his character. And I have never been more excited to play a tome before because I've loved Bill, of course, and I really want to know what he was like before he became a 60-year-old badass. 
So yeah, Bill's my number three. Okay. Well, yeah, sounds solid to say the least. Feel like everyone kind of knows a Bill in their life, or a Bill wannabe at least, to say the least. <laughs> but I'm I'll go ahead with my number two. And again, this was one of the ones that was very difficult, but I ended up deciding on Ellie from The Last of Us Ooh. and The Last of Us 2. And the reason I chose Ellie is because a lot of... I want to be very careful because I don't want to diss other female characters in video games, but I feel like they portray the damsel in distress more often than not. Like Peach from Mario games. She gets captured by Bowser. Mario has to go save her. And then she's saved. Whereas Ellie is not that. She can kind of hold her own even as a kid against zombies. Obviously, she's not the strongest person. She's not the, you know, most equipped to survive as a kid, especially. But she becomes that person later on in the uh, Last of Us Part 1. And The Last of Us 2, I think, really steps up her character because she is her own person. She does her own things based off her ideas, her morals, and everything. And I think that's what makes her a great character, is that she becomes who she wants to be in the second game. Obviously, she is not just a copycat of Joel, because Joel is more... I don't want to say overbearing or something like that, but he, okay. I'll just say that she is the perfect balance of Joel and the strong character in the film. Obviously Joel was there to protect Ellie to get to the fireflies in the first game. And, you know, he was a smuggler and he smuggled Ellie out of the city to wherever she needed to be. But then Ellie was like, okay, I know how to traverse the world thanks to Joel, but then I can also go and have, you know, a relationship with someone and not have them be burdened down by my past. And I think that was one of the falls with Joel is that, you know, his daughter died at the very beginning, you know, that's like five minutes into the game. And then he kind of holds that against Ellie a little bit throughout the first game. And I think that's, you know, how Ellie overcomes Joel in that aspect. And she is a she's a funny character. She is voiced by Ashley Johnson, who I love. She is a player on Critical Role. She does a lot of other stuff with acting, voice acting. And I think she did an amazing job with Ellie. She has I think she even carries around a joke book, meaning Ellie, not Ashley Johnson. But Ellie carries around <laughs> a joke book. And uh she is She's just a lovable character, but she can also be that badass who can, you know, mess up people if she absolutely needs to in her own way. She doesn't have to be a brute force. She can be the person who sneaks around and, you know, lays a trip mine that explodes, which is really cool. So, yeah, Ellie for number two on my list. Nice. Okay. I totally should have remembered that you liked those games because then I probably would have guessed everybody on your list except for number five. Like I, I assumed Assassin's Creed might make a an appearance, but I wasn't 100% sure as I was for the other two. And I still think I know who number one is. But yeah, um, of course, I've never played Last for Us. I am an Xbox nerd. And uh, the we have had discussions on these games before just because I don't mind if they're spoiled and whatnot. And you were, you were definitely very into them. So it's a, it was fun to have those discussions. Great pick. I know a lot of people like Ellie, I would assume we'd get at least one comment. That's going to be like, why not Joel? But anyway, so now to my number two, once again, this is from a franchise that has a plethora of amazing, well-developed characters. And it was really hard to pick just one because they're all just so great. There's been at least uh, like 15 games I can think of off the top of my head. So there's a lot of story to pull from with the characters. I, I think that I just had to, I don't want to say settle, but it, 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 the more I thought about it, the choice really became easy. And I had to go with Scorpion from Mortal Kombat as my number two picked him from the Mortal Kombat franchise. Yes, once again, and everybody's going to be like, why not Liu Kang? Well, let me tell you why. <laughs> so, Scorpion 
has, in my opinion, the most interesting story, even though it's a story that's been done a million times before. It's still so cool. And technically, because the game's from, I think, 91, it was done before a lot of the other games that did it. What I mean by that is, I guess this, I said I wouldn't go into more spoilers, but I'm going to because, once again, it helps It helps develop why I pit him as number two. You are just a man. You're farming with your family. You're just, just chilling, having a fun time. And then your arch nemesis sneaks into your seeks into your camp and murders all of your underlings, all of your brothers, your wife, your kid, everybody that you know and love. And you're like, well, crap, now I have to kill you. So you go up against your arch nemesis, but you're not strong enough and he kills you. So then <laughs> in the depths of the nether realm, you are given a second chance. You are given the power and the strength to exact revenge on the person who took literally everything from you so you do and you make sure that anybody who stands in your way is no longer standing and then of course as we all know he then kills his arch nemesis but then in an awesome i don't want to say twist but in an awesome turn of events i'll say in the rebooted chronology you then become friends with the guy's brother the person who was your arch nemesis who murdered your whole family, he had a brother who wants to atone for the sins of his family and makes it right with you. And things come full circle. And then it's almost like you gain the family that you lost because they both were missing something the whole time. And the, the story of Scorpion is just so awesome. And I know that there's so much more I could go into for that, but that's the general like outline. That That's the schmoop. That's the cliff notes of it. But yeah, that's why I put Scorpion number two. When you play the games, you feel for him, you feel his pain. And it's just so cool to see how he develops as a character throughout all the games, throughout all of the very rich history of Mortal Kombat. But yeah, I know a lot of people are going to be like, dude, you could have picked Johnny, you could have picked Cassie, you could have picked Jax, you could have picked Liu Kang, you could have picked Kung Lao. I could list the whole roster of Mortal Kombat and I probably could have picked him. But I had to go with Scorpion. I know he's also the quote unquote easy one because he's everybody's favorite but he's not my favorite just because he's the face of the game he's my favorite because of his backstory and who he is as a person and as a character so scorpion is my number two okay i love scorpion but not as a character i, I just think it's cool so he's just like get over here and he calls <laughs> that one. but okay i i like your pick not a lot of people know the history of Scorpion, so I I, I like to tell people because then they appreciate the character a little more. Well, you, you're right. <laughs> um, okay, before we get into number one, we're going to do some honorable mentions, and I will go uh, first. These aren't in any particular order, of course. They're just kind of the, you know, they could have been number five, but maybe not as great as number five is. And the first one for me is Lincoln Clay from the Mafia 3 game. I think the story of Lincoln Clay is an amazing one. And I think his story of revenge is a very good one. He has three choices, I believe, at the very end of the game. And there is some good ones and some bad ones. But overall, I think even no matter what decision you end up making... He is a great character. He has his family killed, essentially. He fought in Vietnam beforehand. And going after the mafia in New Bordeaux is no small task. And he is a one-man army himself. And it is just an amazing character to play in that game. It's a fun character to play. And they've done a great job with him in that game. My next one would be Joel. Uh, obviously, I had Elliot number two, and Joel was a very close one um, within the list. It's just that he is a little more... In the game, he's very reluctant at first, and he is very... He just doesn't want to be bothered, essentially. Which I get, you know, he kind of progresses out of that in the game, but I think that's kind of like the thing that holds him back at the very beginning. Like obviously the character arc of him actually accepting what he has to do and him liking Ellie and him saving her life essentially 
is a great character arc, but his reluctancy and everything is kind of what holds him back. Because I don't think he ever grows out of that. He just goes out of that towards Ellie. So that's why he didn't make my top five list. And then the next one for me is Arthur Morgan. Obviously, he is very competitive with John Marston in this uh, list. But I think playing as John Marston in the first game and then seeing him return in the second game is what gave John the upper hand in this case. Arthur is still an amazing character. They did a great job with introducing someone who was not even known in the first game into the prelog, not the prelog, the prequel to the first game. And that being Red Dead 2, I think it was a very t- hard task to do. But Arthur is a great choice of character. Obviously, you can play honorably or dishonorably, but either way, you know that Arthur wants to do good. He wants to be a good man to a certain extent. Obviously, he'll get his own way and do what he thinks needs to be done. But if he can try to help others while doing that, he most certainly will. Like If he can get the the women and the children out of the gang before he goes to crap, he he tries to do that. And he tries to barter with Dutch in doing that. And I think that's what makes him a good person is that or a good character. He wants to be a good person and that fighting between himself of, do I do this for them? And then also being in the gang of like, I need to, you know, still make money and have to rob people is a very good, just like John Marston, a very good intersection of, you know, in, internal struggle of a character. And then I have two more. And one of them being Trevor Phillips from GTA five. Uh, I originally thought of putting just the GTA trio as a whole, but the more I thought about it is, you know, Franklin and Michael are pretty cool and they have their own, you know, advantages and disadvantages when it comes to this list. But Trevor Phillips is just an iconic character. He's a crazed psychopath. He doesn't care much about what anyone else does unless it affects him, then he's like, okay, if it helps him, good. If it hurts him, he wants to kill you. In one of the, I don't want to say the one of the very first scenes, but pretty close to the beginning of knowing him, you see him having sex. And that is a very Trevor Phillips introduction. It's just like standing like, hey, how you doing? It is, he is just it, chaotic as all get out. And I think that's what makes him such a great character is that you don't really know what he's going to do. Like one time, not one time, in GTA 5, he has this famous quote. He goes, I kind of got really, really mad. So he is talking about someone that had done him wrong or some, I can't remember the exact circumstance. But instead of doing something to that person, he kidnapped their wife and brought them to Michael and then showed it to him. And that is what makes me like him as a character more than Michael and Franklin is that his unpredictability creates moments like that. And then my last honorable mention is Aloy from horizon zero dawn. And the reason she didn't make the list is because I have just played it recently. And I feel like a lot of the story still hasn't set in with me as much as the other stories have, you know, obviously the more time or more thought you put into it. And like, why did this person really do this? What were their motivations? What, you know, were their benefits of doing that? You get to know the character a little bit more. And I think that just hasn't set in with me enough with Aloy. Her story of being a biological clone of someone from the past earth or the, and the, um, the leader of the guy project is a great origin story. And then she was outcast by her tribe because she had no mother. And within the tribe, if like the spiritual leaders and one other, they're called mothers and it's three ladies. And they're kind of like the, not the like judges, but they kind of are in their tribe. So with her out, not having a mother, she couldn't really be in the tribe. So they cast her out and then she ends up being, you know, the most important person on planet Earth at that time. So, because she is a clone of 
the person who made Guy Prime. She is also a very smart person. And it doesn't really dawn on her, pun intended. She doesn't she doesn't know that she's that smart. But later on, she kind of is like, oh, okay, this person who I was before was maybe one of the smartest people on Earth. She created one of the most, or helped create one of the most intricate pieces of AI ever. And then she kind of realizes like, okay, I'm kind of this caliber of person and I can do things like what she did. And I think she kind of slides into the role of, I am a hero. I need to do this. And she really begins to believe in herself once she figures out what her past was. And I think that is what really drives Aloy as a character is her trying to find out who she is. And then once she does, she doesn't shy away from it. She dives straight into it. I wouldn't say there were any big surprises from your honorable mentions. Definitely some good ones in there. Some good games. Some games I know you like. My honorable mentions, essentially, as I mentioned when I gave my number four, which was Link, um, there are a lot of Nintendo that could have potentially taken that spot. And so I won't go into them, but just to kind of list them off. Donkey Kong almost made the list. Kirby. Uh, Mario almost made the list. Kid Icarus from the... Or, sorry. Pit from the Kid Icarus um, games also almost made the list. So I just wanted to give them shout-outs because they're also wonderful characters from my childhood. As well, staying in the same vein from the kind of nostalgia childhood. Uh, Sonic, as well as Spyro. Um, I've always loved the Spyro games. They're just very chill to play, and I don't know, Spyro's a great character. He's he's just a fun little dragon. And then moving more up the line to people that could have potentially taken a spot in the actual, like, ranking, Kyle Crane from Dying Light. I really like the Dying Light game. Kyle Crane is a very interesting character in that you know very little about him before the actual game starts, and... You don't really know much about him when the game ends. You just know what he goes through and how his character develops in the story. And that's why he didn't make the list. Because there's not much to his character other than the story. As far as other characters who may have cool backstories or, you know, more stuff to kind of just work with. So that's why he didn't make it. And then uh, my last honorable mention, the one that... I went back and forth between this character and Commander Shepard for my fifth spot is BJ Blazkowicz from the Wolfenstein franchise, specifically from the reboot series. I, you play with the guy for three games and I, I guess technically four, but Youngblood is, is like, you know, a technicality. But for the, but for the other three in the series, you play with this character. He is the essentially last of the fighters against the Nazis and you get to see it from his perspective. You get to go up against uh, really great villains. You get to be a part of really good stories. You learn a, a crap ton about him as a person. So there was a lot of development there, but the reason why I picked Commander Shepard over Blaskovitz in the end was uh, Wolfenstein is a very linear story. There is some things that you can choose to change stuff, but in general it's, Hey, you're here, now go here, now go here, now go here. And for someone like Commander Shepard, who has the same story development as BJ Blazkowicz, but you literally get to create it yourself to where you are the protagonist, that's what made me give Commander Shepard the slight edge. But BJ Blazkowicz definitely deserves a, an honorable mention. All right. Well, without further ado, I guess. Before you do your number one, can I guess? <laughs> no. <laughs> without further ado we will get straight into the number ones um my number one is probably an obvious one and i'll just get straight into it it is aiden pierce from Watch Dogs. obviously no. you'll laugh at that point <laughs> if you've ever played Watch Dogs, you'll know that that was not even close to be top five worst protagonist anyways I've never played Watch Dogs, and even I know that's not your number one. <laughs> and the first one is the man, the myth, the legend, boy, Kratos, from the hey, God of War series. Right. <laughs> um, specifically, the 2018 Kratos, for me. I have not played the, af the 
the I don't want to say prequels because it's not prequels. They were made first, and then this is a sequel to all the other ones. Anyways, the first original series of God of War I have not played, but I've watched. But then I played 2018, the reboot of God of War against the Norse mythology gods. And I always knew Kratos was a good character, but playing him and seeing his interaction with his son, Atreus, is an amazing feat done by the creators of God of War and Corey Barlog, who Barlog, who is the creative director over there. And I, I don't think you can get much better than Kratos. It is it is very hard to continuously make games that are this good and have a character continually improve as a person and continually improve just as a character overall. Um, I think that, you know, this game was only made impossible or it was only possibly made because Curly Barlog became a father. And then you got those fatherly advice or fatherly problems with Kratos as well. Obviously someone else could have made the game, but I think Corey and the team over there that make God of War did a, an amazing job. And I think it, it only gets better from here from them. But Kratos as a character is someone who he doesn't like when people mess with him. And I think that really showed in the most recent one. You know, at the very beginning, you are met with Balder, the Norse god, who has the, I don't want to say disease, but the great curse put upon him that he cannot feel pain or die. And he just wanted to go and find this person who he had heard of and hopefully which is Kratos, and hopefully he could cause pain to him. And Kratos did not want ha did not want to have any part of him or the Norse gods at all. And so he, when Balder came to his house, he said, go away, please. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to do anything. Just go away. Balder did not go away. And he attacked Kratos and he's like, Kratos like, oh, okay, fine. And then he starts, you know, beating him up and they have this little battle. And that's kind of the introduction into Kratos fighting the Norse gods in this game. And I think that's what has made Kratos such a great character from the 2018 version is that he wanted to get away from his life, but he cannot escape from it. He has created demons within himself and he has created this reputation to where he cannot get away from it. And he is always going to be cursed by killing the whole Greek pantheon and being the ghost of Sparta. And now he has to deal with that as well as raising a son. And I think, again, one of the greatest things that characters do is they have, you know, this conflict in one life and this conflict in another. In Kratos' case, as being a Greek god and killing all the gods. While on the other one, he wants to be a normal father to this kid. And the intersection between those two and being able to like, okay, I have to do both of these. And it's very hard to do it is what makes Kratos such a great character. And that has been a prevalent thing with my characters, with my whole list, is that they have these two decisive sides themselves, and they have to balance both of them. So, and Kratos is one that has probably the highest stakes amongst them all, and has not only been the best person to deal with that. Kratos is no exception to this, and I think that his story is probably just a little bit better than the other ones, especially being a man myself and wanting to have kids. I feel like his, you know, struggles with being a father was very not helpful, but very like, okay, you know, this probably won't happen. You don't have to worry about being a God and telling my kid, Hey, I'm a God and you have godlike powers. No, I don't have to deal with that, obviously. But like the simple things of like, <laughs> you know, being able to be strict with your kid, but also being able to not push them away, I think was a great thing that God of War undertook. It wasn't just a hack and slash game. It was something that you could take from 
as well as you could take from Kratos' story. And that's why he is the greatest hero protagonist character of all time in my eyes. I like it. I'm glad I was right. Once again, I'm sorry to sound like a broken record. I have not played this game. However, you, as well as I feel like every friend I have, has explained to me how amazing this story is, how adding the dynamic and giving him a son just was amazing for the character, amazing for the story. It sounds like he is an amazing character. I always liked him as a kid because of his the actual design of, of how he looks. And uh, I probably would have played the games purely based off of design. But uh, that that's pretty much all I can really say. Um, I know you're extremely excited for Ragnarok. And uh, I'm assuming that he can his character can only get better from here. My number one, everybody probably was able to also guess from a mile away, uh, especially if they watched the Top 5 Villains podcast. And I'll just go ahead and get right into it. It is Batman. It is Batman from the Arkham Trilogy games, and it is Batman from Injustice. I know what you're thinking. Jacob, you're cheating. That's a two for one. Well, and they get a chance to play as him. And it truly feels like you embody him as a person. The story feels like you are playing as Batman. That is why I'm mentioning him from Arkham Trilogy. And I mention him from Injustice because, as I mentioned before, Tom Taylor is my favorite comic writer. I think he does an amazing job with the Injustice um, story. I think that it is wonderful to see him and Superman and the dynamic they have and this, this rift on... Should we or should we kill the villains or should we not kill the villains? How do we go about protecting people? That's been like a staple in comics for decades. And the fact that somebody finally decided to make a story that has them go about that. And that Batman is the one who sticks to his guns the whole time. Even this this war goes on for multiple years. And he still sticks to his guns because he's Batman. And even in the end, when he has the chance to be rid the world of this evil ruler Superman, he still says, no, not even you is worth killing. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> or not because he didn't, but like, that's just so Batman to like look someone dead in the eyes and like, no, I refuse to break my run rule even for you. Like, that's just, oh. And that's another thing. Being so invested in the character all of the quotes and the writing and stuff is just made for people who are invested in the character. Like in Batman Arkham, I believe it's Asylum, you, you fight Bane and Bane is about to beat you and you're like, no, this time I break you, which is a complete reference to the Nightfall comic when Bane famously broke the bat. And that's like, oh my God, good reference, awesome. And like the amount of fan service and the amount of emotions that you go through when you're experiencing the story and playing as the character, it's Batman, people. How can I not put him number one? It's Batman. And I would probably say as far as like story development, I would put Injustice just a little bit higher if you're curious, but that's partly because I am completely biased on the Injustice game itself and the Injustice story, and I think that world is awesome and they should make it a movie, but they're never going to make it a movie. But yes, Batman is my number one. It's Batman. I know I just keep saying it's Batman, but it's Batman. He has to be number one for me personally. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I didn't know what your list would be coming into this, but once hearing them, they all kind of make sense. <laughs> I think that Batman has always been, you know, a staple in comic books. And now that video games have become popular, popular. I think he has been, you know, one of those people that's like, oh, we have to make Batman games. And the ones that they made were great. Overall, I think both of our lists kind of were, you know, obviously subjective, but were more telling as to which games we just like playing the most. Yes. You know, obviously for you, you know, you have sports games. There's not really heroes in them. But, you know, for me, my favorite games are God of War, The Witcher 3, Last of Us. Horizon Zero Dawn, <laughs> Red Dead, Assassin's Creed, and they were just and my favorite games are those because of their characters. And I think that's just a reflection on how good those characters are. That you know, for my whole list to be my favorite games of all time, essentially to be the same as my favorite protagonist or heroes of all time, I think speaks volumes. Yes. And um, you also make a good point in that in one of the previous podcasts we made, I talked about how 
I love playing games that are based off of movies or comics or what have you because I'm already invested in the character and then it's awesome to get to experience that character and be able to control what they do. And so having Batman be number one, of course, is you know, because I'm already so invested in that character and because I already loved that character and it, it, was, it was kind of just like an easy pick. And like you said, of course, being a person who plays a lot of sports games, it was interesting to try and think about the non the games that actually had story and then what to put on the list. So as far as a comparison of the list, yours would be more accurate to what somebody may expect <laughs> and mine's in way left field and just, you know, work with it. Hopefully people enjoy it. Yeah. I was, I feel like mine is more pop culture within or video game culture. I should say. Yeah. It may not be in the order everyone likes, but everyone's like, okay, I can see where he's coming from. Yeah, and that that's not a bad thing. I mean, the games are highly touted because they're that good. And like you said, they have amazing story. They have amazing character. The developers really care about the writing and the de- and the development and whatnot. So that's why they're really well-known and great games. So it makes perfect sense. All right. Well, I've spoken my piece and counted to three. How about you? I've also pretty much said that I um everything that I wanted to say, it's Batman, man. <laughs> That's all I can say. It's Batman. Would that be a man dressed up as Batman? Batman man? <laughs> I just realized that. You no, know, that is probably every... I think that's actually a bit on uh, the Big Bang Theory. Batman man? <laughs> no, they go through and it's like, well, what about a Bat-Batman and a Bat-Bat-Man-Man? You know? So, you know, I would not be surprised. That would be hilarious. Um, you know, this is random, but there is a man bat that is a villain. It's this uh, man who got bit by a bat, and he's like, he, half bat. he's a he's a scientist who is attempting to cure a disease, and in, and when he does, he tests it on himself, and it turns him into a bat. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, close enough. But yeah, sorry. Uh, random, random side. Both of our lists were awesome. Thank you all so much for watching. Please leave a like and subscribe, and we will see you in the next one. Those is.